Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A DEI lead at Facebook is admitted to embezzling $4 million in a scheme that involved fake expense reports, payments via Cash App, and all kinds of easily figureoutable types of fraud. Elon Musk has declared that diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives need to die and has even equated DEI to being a different type of discrimination. A Cox Media Group subsidiary claims the company can listen to ambient sound via device microphones and can even market to customers based on the data it hears. And black employee group presidents at NVIDIA warned the CEO that work the company is doing in AI could harm underserved communities. We've got all this and more for you in episode 111 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And coming out of Philly, it's your girl, Tech Life Stuff. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Nobody was injured in the making of my Christmas lights. <laughs> my Christmas lights up on the house so I can successfully say nobody fell off the roof. Nobody twisted any ankles and the lights are up and go. So I'm a little late, but this is around all time. I always put up Christmas lights because I procrastinate, procrastinate, procrastinate. Look at the calendar. Oh, shoot. We only got a couple weeks left and I go ahead and throw up some lights. So they'd be all right. So, so let me tell you how Murphy's Law works. So I, too, am waiting to the last minute to do it. So my plan was to do it earlier today. And don't you know we got about an inch or two of snow sitting outside on the ground? It ain't. This is the first time we've had snow that's stuck all year. And it wasted a day that I, that I want to do it. Now, fortunately, it's supposed to actually warm back up again tomorrow. So I'll probably get out there and do it tomorrow morning or something like that. But anyway. We got a tech show to do, y'all. This is our last live show of the year. And there's just there's just been a week of stories, uh, you know, just it's going to fill this show out. So I, I expect this is going to be a good one. And before we get started, I wanted to just do a bit of an update because uh, we've been talking about the Fearless Fund pretty much all year. And for those who aren't familiar with the, the Fearless Fund, it is a venture capital fund that was set up specifically to aid and assist black women entrepreneurs where they were doing $20,000 grants specifically to black women. And then if you guys remember the, the lawyer who was fighting to get rid of affirmative action in colleges, his organization is actually sued fearless fund. So that was the second time we've talked about it and they, they won their suit. They basically said that the fearless fund was discriminating against 
you know, other folks, even though they were trying to help the discrimination for a particular group, they said, because you were, ex- you know, excluding everybody else was <laughs> violating, I believe, some civil rights act from back in 1800s. And now the fillers fund is actually uh, coming out and, and, and they're, they're appealing it. So that their lawyers are saying that they're forcing the foundation to adopt a race neutral criteria would disable the foundation from conveying its message on the precise topic. It seeks to address economic disadvantages faced by black women. So, yeah, you know, there's folks out there that have a problem with because black women are so underserved in the venture capital space, you cannot create something to help them specifically. That would be racist. <laughs> Any takes on that, y'all? Not surprised. <laughs> yeah, not surprised. So, as we've been saying, that, that's just more of an update. Uh, we got we got a lot of tech we're going to get into, and, and Steph, these are ones that you and I were sympathetical on. You, I think you were looking at them right at the same time I was looking at them. But the first one, and this was just a straight up hot mess as I read through it, but it's like the former head of Facebook DEI, uh, Barbara Furlow Smiles. Admits that she has embezzled four million dollars from the company. Uh, she 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 knowingly devised and intended to devise a scheme to, to basically defraud Facebook. And as you read through some of the stuff that she was doing, it just it just reminds you that I, I guess that there's a lot of cr- the criminals that get caught really ain't that smart because it's like anytime you're using, you know, to, to defraud a company like Meta, anytime you're using, you know, like Venmo and stuff right. like that to do it. Cash app. That just, that just ain't a good play. It just, <laughs> that, that just don't sound like a good play. So, uh, so, so what were your thoughts, Steph, on this? Yeah. I'm number one. I'm not sure how she thought she was going to get away <clears throat> with this. Um, I'm surprised she was able to get as much money as she did get from them before she got caught. I'm mad. She got, <clears throat> so many different people caught up in her mess because it says she was using her husband, former interns, a babysitter, um, her hairstylist. Like she had everybody and their mama and them up in this mess. And I, I just don't understand why. Cause it's like, I'm sure, you know, I mean, I'm not in this woman's pocket, but I'm sure she was comfortable in what she was being paid there. Um, so it's just like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, why are you doing this to try to keep up with Joneses? Like, what are you even doing this for when you know they're looking at you? You know, they're watching you. You're like, what are you, what are you doing right now? Is it's just the only question I have for her. What are you doing? And, and why did you think this, um, harebrained scheme was going to be the thing that was going to work and that you would never get caught for this, this stuff. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And it's very low tech and old school. It's like you work, you're working for meta. And the only way you could think to do this is to bring your friends and family in and doctor expense reports. That's how, that's how that's your, that was your scheme. It's like that's people can see that coming a mile away. And like you said, they looking at you on top of you being a influential, uh, not necessarily influential member, but your title is influential at Meta. You know, this whole DEI thing is something new. It's hot. It's trendy. That's what everybody's doing. So you're going to have the the um, spotlight on you for that. Number one. 
Number two, you're black. So it's like, mm-hmm. come on now. Mm-hmm. You so you already got the spotlight. Yeah. You already got the spotlight on you to start with. And then you cash app and Venmo and, and ex- ex- expense reports. It's like, if you're going to do it, I would leave it a whole bit more. Paper trail. Yeah, paper yeah, trails. Yeah, it's like, be a, bit, be a little bit smarter about it. Don't leave a paper trail and do it over a longer period of time. <clears> it's like, you got it. As soon as you got in there, you try to run it up. It's like, yo, take your time, establish yourself <laughs> and, very little bit at a time, take pennies on the dollar. You trying to take the whole the whole expense report. She clearly never yeah. saw the movie Office Space. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It is like the stuff that she is, uh, you know, well, she she said she's admitted to it. So I don't know if it's allegedly anymore, but the stuff that she is accused of doing is very easily figure outable. It's like you have to. I, I I just I'm just wondering. It's like okay, you you gonna try to rip off Meta now? This is a company that is worth many 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 hundreds of billions of dollars, almost in the trillion dollar range. If they haven't actually gotten there, they have people that count money. That have people who count money. That have people who they count money. That have people that count money. I just don't understand how you. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm going, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you this expense report and then, you, you know, so you, you going or not, I won't put you on this expense report. So you're going to get paid and then you just cash at me the money back. And then we both good. It's just like, you know, yeah. this, this seemed like you wanted to get caught with this because there, there is no, there is no master plan. There's no scheme here. This is just like, it just took, it just took an accountant to, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting though. Weird. Because it's so blatantly um, simple-minded, did she get this from somebody else? You know what I mean? Did she do this because she saw it being done over and over and over again in the company? And, you know, maybe the the simplicity was the thing that she thought was going to throw people off the case because you can't be this, you know, ridiculous and blatant with what you're doing because she's seen it done over and over. Cause it, it's, it, you know, it, it's rare that people just do stuff just to be doing it. Um, especially us in this context, you know, I, I'm not trying to make excuses for this woman at all. She played herself. She got greedy and she got caught and she's going to get, whatever consequence she has coming to her. You're probably going to see the inside of a prison at some point. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd be curious though, if she was just not following directions necessarily, but following an example um, that had been set in a, in a tone and, and kind of a, that had been set in the company already. I'd be curious. If that's the case, she didn't take notes because this is so easily figure outable. You know, it's like, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's so easy that's to what figure I'm out because it is, you know, is it something that they had previously just overlooked because it was so, you know, okay, that that little bit of money, that whatever, you know what I mean? Like, was it something that just was was routinely done and and folks looked the other way in in the past and with other people that she felt comfortable enough? Because like, there's a reason she felt comfortable enough. To, to be so blatant in what she was doing. You know what I mean? Like you ain't, ain't none of us getting up in these companies and just as soon as we get that credit card in our hand, we just going ham and, and figuring out a Venmo scheme to, to get paid. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you watched, 
You saw what other people were doing. You saw how it got handled when other people got caught. You saw, like, I just feel like there could have been, like I said, I'm not making excuses for anything this woman has done. I'm just wondering, thinking out loud, if there was a, 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 um, example or a precedent, you know, that had already been set in the company where this kind of thing is one of those kind of things that just happens. Yeah, I'm pretty sure know. the I'm pretty sure the homie <coughs> hookup the homie hookup is runs rampant no matter where what company you're at. But it for her and I I'm pretty sure people have used their influence at Meta at all these companies to get their homies through the door, cut corners when it comes to their friends getting contracts, when it comes to them, <coughs> she, like, like the story mentioned, she would bring in her, her uh, friends and family members as vendors, right? I'm pretty sure she saw that running rampant. It's like, all right, so y'all gonna do it. Let me go ahead and bring my homies in too. But this then, is what I'm saying. I'm like, then, she but didn't... Then, but then after that, then I think she got greedy. Oh, she the, got greedy. In, Definitely. The expense reports because <coughs> um, um, uh, she used she used the fraud to pay ten thousand dollars to an artist for specialty portraits and more than eighteen thousand for preschool tuition. It's kind of like after she did the thing to get her homies in, like like you mentioned, Stephanie. Probably everybody else does. Then she was like, "Oh, so that worked? All right, well, let me, do <coughs> let me see what else I can get." Right? Mm-hmm. It ain't called American sensibility. It's called American greed. So mm-hmm. what she <laughs> yeah. saw. She, she saw all that worked and she was like, all right, well, let me run this play. All right. Let me run that play and let me run it, run it, run it, run it, run it. Instead of saying, all right, I got my homies in mission completed. If right. They wanna, if they want to on the slide me back a couple, a couple on dollars the, on the back right. end for getting you the contract for getting you in, then, you know, that you could have did that off the books. But then she tried to turn around, like I said, got greedy. Saw it ran expense reports, uh, expense reports up. And I think that's what it got her. It's like, come on, yo. We ain't, ain't nowhere in the world a office party costs $10,000. <laughs> At least it should. So we, we're going to keep it on, uh, DEI because, it, it, and, and Steph, you pointed this out and I was thinking to say, things kind of interesting that we're going to talk about these two DEI stories back to back and just, how it's just funny that they both come up at the same time. But your boy, Elon Musk, has declared that DEI must die. And furthermore, he says that the point was to end discrimination, not replace it with different discrimination. So I I, I can only guess what, what he's saying is that he he's basically in that camp where DEI is one of them bad words, kind of like wokey is where it is, you know, it, it means something completely different to a certain segment of people. And he is now uh completely and affirmatively against DEI. And before we start discussing, I should also uh, note that his company Tesla is still being sued by the EEOC for racial ra- harassment and, you know, in retaliation. You know, we've talked about this on multiple occasions about the, the hundreds of millions of dollars that they have lost to various employees in that Fremont, California plant for all the stuff they do. This is the plant to where they actually have a break room specifically for the black folks that they call the reservation. This is actually something that exists at Tesla, or at least it did at one point. But uh, what, what do y'all think about, uh, you know, the, the richest person on the planet that we know, at least who, who tells us that they're the richest, um, thinks that DEI must go away. It's, yeah. it's not surprising. <clears throat> anybody else calling for it? 
as of late. It's just the people who are now feel comfortable with saying it out loud or saying it out powerful, loud. a little bit more influential. They don't have as much blowback if they do say it, you know, versus there's some other people's like, I don't know how I feel about this, but they got to kind of keep it on the low because their job might be, you know, they professional career may be in jeopardy or they may be in fear of getting canceled. You know, people like Elon can say it and, you know, not necessarily have the same hoops to jump through as far as people calling for him to be quote unquote canceled. Right. So the people who are deciding to say it, you know, getting a little bit more influential, which, again, like I said, ain't surprising because people low key companies, low key have been kind of trying to get rid of it since it kind of came about. I will play just a little bit of devil's advocate in this one. I will say, though, I, I don't think it's necessarily a coincidence that this story came out at the same time as the story about the woman stealing money. I think, you know, some folks will use that to inform why DEI must go away and see we got these people in here and they this is what they do and yada 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 <clears throat> some people will definitely point back to that meta story you know unfortunately um and <clears throat> you know she is going to set black folks back uh because they look at us as a monolith and you know we won't get that opportunity again however i will say though one of my very good friends is an expert in the DEI space. She actually has a PhD in organizational something. Um, and, and she's been doing this work for a very long time. And even she has had to, um, adjust her model to a certain degree because of the pushback that she got when she would go into these companies because you had, it was like a DEI gold rush, basically, um, when the whole George Floyd thing happened and everybody wanted to be seen as doing the right thing and, and throwing money at the problem. A lot of folks that did not have the expertise that they claimed to kind of ran into this space to get that bag and basically just went into these companies and started saying, y'all all racist, y'all suck, y'all need to change. And that's not a way to get nobody to change. I mean, they might be true, but that's not the way that you won't get them to change. And, and so, you know, she's had to kind of go back in behind these people that have done this damage because now nobody wants to hear about the EI at all. Um, and, and, and kind of, you know, kind of wrangle folks back in and, and talk folks back in off the ledge. Um, so, you know, there was a, there was a Forbes article kind of in um, response to what Elon Musk said that was like, okay, he said it, he was a little inflammatory as always in what he said, but he may not have necessarily been wrong. And, and I don't agree with that. He was, he was just wrong and he's just trying to be contra contrary for contrary sake. But I think there is something to the idea that DEI needs to be looked at again and people need to pay attention to who they're relying on as their experts, as they're moving forward with their policies and not just leaving it up to their employees to do it um, or just to any old body that took a weekend course um, and got a little certification to do it as well, because this is the type of thing, this is the the backlash that we get for not having experts doing the work um, and not and not lifting those experts up. And that would make perfect sense. Uh, but you know how folks do. Mm -hmm. Just look at now. All of a sudden we got to see 
EP friends on my Facebook. Now they to all certain the the uh, the AI degenerative AI specialists, and now they got courses right. and master mm-hmm. classes. Right, and that's and that's the thing. Everybody you know, wants to be an expert now because nobody knew enough about it to really, you know, gate. claim. Yeah, it just now everybody think they know everything, and I think it was the same with the AI. Same, we got mm-hmm. the same result. Yeah, and, and because of that. I think you have a lot of folks who have a negative kind of, you know, who, who see DEI as a negative connotation or they, 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 they don't see it as a positive thing. Don't really understand what it is. They think, Oh, we just, you know, um, they almost think of it as like affirmative action, which it isn't, you know, they, they, they are separate things are generally, you know, completely separate departments. If, if your organization would have both, but a lot of folks are just seeing it's like, Oh, we're just doing all this stuff to accommodate all these, all these isms and all these others and all, and, and all this other stuff. And it's, it's making me feel some kind of way about it. And, you know, uh, part, part of what DEI is supposed to do is that, you know, at least from, you know, my rudimentary understanding of it is that there, there are a lot of organizations that they want everything to be just a meritocracy and everything is just based off of if you work hard, you put your head down, you're going to rise based off of how hard you work and how good you are. And if I'm being honest, that works. So long if, as you're not black or brown or female or disabled or anything that is generally not a white guy. But I, I do see, you know, your point stuff to where after George Floyd, all these companies wanted to get on board and they just started throwing money at anybody who could come in and say they talk about DEI. And as you said, there's a lot of folks just come in and it's like, yeah, you're a racist organization. You need to change without actually really giving any you know, game plan there's, for there, how that gets done. Nuance. So it's, it, it just makes it a, you know, a, a difficult conversation to continue. But I don't, I don't think any, uh, any of the three of us think that it just needs to go away and that it's like no, some kind of reverse not. racism. Um, absolutely not. So, well, you know, uh, we could talk about it on the after show. I guess I would just challenge you, Rob. Do you believe that people believe that it's a meritocracy or is that what they just say to make it seem uh, to to not necessarily cover up, but to not say the quiet part out loud. Say, oh, I believe in meritocracy. Well, what they're for really them. To, for, for, yeah. Exactly. Like, well, like I qualified the meritocracy. meritocracy. I said yeah. they believe it's a meritocracy, except for when you are black, brown, female, or, or these other things. So, yeah, as long as you fit the criteria, is meritocracy. That generally, I don't even believe that they believe it's a meritocracy because yeah. if their homies. Uh, if, if they know somebody that can get somebody in that's not as qualified or whatever the case may be, um, I think they believe in nepotism. I think they believe in um, what's culture fit. No, I think they believe in I think they believe in using your power influence to get whatever you want or be connected. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they believe in being connected. I think they believe in nepotism. I think they believe in. Um, what's the other word? I can't think of the other word. Anyway, I think they believe in do what you got to do in order to rise to the top. And to me, that's the opposite of meritocracy because meritocracy is if you're good, you're good. But they, I think they believe in let's get our people in whatever the case may be. But then when it's somebody that doesn't look like doesn't necessarily fit my, my, who I am, 
then they say, oh, we believe in meritocracy because that sounds good. But in they reality, they like trot mm-hmm. it out when exactly. when they no. want to justify why we're not getting ahead. No. So uh, let me see if I can if I, if I can make that plain what you just said, Terrence. So as long as they got the plug and the plug is working for them, it ain't a problem. But as soon as somebody else attempts to get it or you try to make it fair so that other people can't plug into the same source, then it becomes an issue. Um, I, believe, I believe that they're okay if, like, if you're, if it's me, us three, right? And Stephanie, you got somebody, you you know, you get up to the top and you bring somebody in, and they bring this somebody in, and me and Rob are looking like, yo, we've been here just as long as Stephanie has. Now, why is she the director of Tech John International or whatever the case may be? You know, we like know, me and Rob, we know that's not meritocracy, but we'll necessarily we won't say nothing because we'll believe. All right, well, you know. She's the one that got in there. She's the one that did the work. She's the one. She must have did something I didn't do right in order to get where she is. Right. I guess I've just got to be OK. But if somebody that doesn't look like us three, then it's like, oh, wait a minute. You know, we're we're all about values and ethics. And, you know, but when just the gatekeep. But then, like I said, amongst themselves, it's like made a best man win. You know yeah. Saying? And, you know, to, to prove that point, we talked about this story months ago. Y'all remember Melody Hobson? started a fund and what they were doing because she, she she does all these uh you know, you know companies that go in and do like take over the other companies and they put the install their own management teams and stuff like that i can't think of it off the top of my head but they were specifically looking to put african-american hispanic you know um you know it, it, at the top and everybody had a problem with that when they didn't have a problem when you was putting your cousins, nephews, gardeners, friend, you know, in in that position, it only became a, you know only became an issue when it's oh well, uh, you know, these black folks that have these Ivy League degrees and finished at the top of their class, well, how 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 is it how are they qualified when my cousin who uh you know was legacy at Harvard and barely met the you know requirement but did graduate after six years uh you know how, how come they're not I do distinctly remember us having that conversation so yes so to answer your question is that yes I I do believe that meritocracy you, you know becomes a thing when you're trying to you know when you're trying potentially to sound better about it but as I said earlier when you when you got the plug you really ain't complaining about it as long as it's working for you and I think what uh, you know, just a lot of the stories that we talk about in this vein is basically um, I think that certain folks who are in power, they are so concerned that not only do we do they not want us to have the power, but we would potentially do the same things to them that were done well, to us the, if we were yeah, to get it. That's, that's and the, that that the frightens right the crap out of them. And we have to do everything we can do to make sure that that doesn't happen. That's the rub <laughs> or not. Yeah. You know me. <laughs> so y'all, we haven't talked. <laughs> the way your petty is set up. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we have not talked much about Epic and Google. I, I, I know we've probably mentioned it over the years because they've been going back and forth, but this is kind of big because Epic just won its court case against Google over its monopolistic practices, particularly with the, you know, with Google's app store. Uh, it's called Google Play. And they won everything. They, 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 everything they were suing for, they pretty much won. And it was a jury trial and a jury didn't even deliberate that long. 
So I just wanted to, you know, kind of let our listeners know that, uh, that, that there hasn't been any type of set. There's no settlement, but there hasn't been like an award amount yet. We don't know what, you know, how much money Epic is going to ultimately, you know, get awarded from this. But the bigger question for me is that is Apple looking at this and saying, uh, we might need to change up on how we do some app store stuff based off of Google getting sued when literally Google took the model from Apple. But Apple already was was already in this position. I'm just wondering how much they paid that judge uh, in Apple's case to look at because it literally is the exact same thing. Um, but Apple was able to avoid a jury trial. The judge clearly did not maybe understand what they were even ruling on because they didn't think that um, – Apps was involved at all. Let me read exactly what it said uh, in the article. It said, um, in a his- it's a historic victory, particularly because Epic mostly lost its fight against Apple two years ago when Judge Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers decided that fight had nothing to do with apps. And it's like, huh? Um, so yeah, I would be, I would be very curious to know what Apple did to, to make that thing go in their favor. Um, you know, if nothing else, but to not get a jury trial at all. Um, but I'll be curious to see if Epic tries to do some sort of appeal or, or something against oh. Apple now that they've won against well, Google, um, go after them again. What well, it sounds like, according to the story in The Verge, what Google did was something a little bit different. Um, and y- y'all can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it says in this passage, it says, but Epic v. Google turned out to be a very different case. It hinged on secret revenue sharing deals between Google smartphone makers and big game developers. One that Google execs internally believed were designed to keep rival app stores down. Now, it's one thing for Apple to say, nah, we ain't letting you download anything on our devices outside of the app store. And y'all just got to deal with that. And you got to deal with the fact that if you put our app in the app store and somebody buys it, we get 30%. Y'all just going to deal with that. That's what Apple is like. You can't download from outside of the app store. You got to deal with our revenue sharing in order to get in the Apple store. Google was like, yeah, we're going to do that too. But also we're going to have these other little things. So where we got secret <laughs> revenue sharing deals yeah. and all other stuff. And that's what got Google hemmed up. If I'm reading this. Exactly. No, you're, you're reading that right. I'm glad, I'm glad you actually brought that part up because that is what makes a difference. Because I'm like, cause when I, when I first, when I first heard it, I'm like, how did Google lose this? They allow third party app stores on their device. They allow you to sideload apps all day, Sunday, you know, and, and other six days of the week as well. They do that. How did they lose this when they seem like they are in a much better position than Apple? And it's like, Oh, so you was you was doing these side deals that was making it difficult for those apps that you allow on the platform to actually do what they do. Apple just said, nah, y'all can't y'all can't exist. You said well, you could exist, but we go do everything we can do to to make it hard for you to exist. So that that must be what it is. But I, I just thought it was it was very interesting that uh, it's like this is not insignificant. It, it it makes me wonder how are you going to see these, uh, these things change in the future? And I still, I still have to put the question to Apple though. Um, the EU wants multiple app stores on iPhones. 
I, if I were to bet on this and I'm just saying 51% of me tells me that they probably are going to acquiesce to that at some point. You don't think so? So, um, yeah, another app store being on an iPhone. If I'm wrong, then record this timestamp it and I'll come back and apologize. (laughs) But I don't see Apple saying, yeah, you can let Google play or you can let Epic, if they've got an app store, you know, Logitech or whomever the case may be. Yeah. All you can have app stores on the on an iPhone. I don't see that happening. Like I, said, I could be wrong, but Apple's. I don't, that, yeah. I don't see that. Yeah. I don't see that happening. Either. I, I, like I said, I, I don't want to say I see it happening. But if I were going to bet, if I had to bet, you said, Rob, you have to place a bet. I'm fifty one forty nine right now. They, they might do this because I am seeing Apple do things that I did. I never thought I was going to see Apple voluntarily put RCS on their device. RCS is coming in the coming months. I'm looking at lawsuits where Apple is, uh, you, you know, um, we are about to basically say you're a monopoly and we're going to sue you for billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars over in the EU. Okay. Um, how about if we change these rules and we allow these companies to, to, you know, to do this? I'm thinking of the, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Apple just recently said that if they have to, they will allow third party NFC payment apps to run uh, more easily on the iPhone because, you know, it's basically Apple pay and, and that, that's it. Everybody else is like, you can do them QR codes and stuff like that. But when it comes to tap to pay, if it ain't Apple pay, it ain't happening on this platform. And now Apple is turning around saying, well, if you're going to sue us for billions and probably win it, maybe we should go ahead and change that. So, so the, these are the, the little things that I think that the EU is driving that makes me say, yeah, if, if I had to bet right now, 51% that you might actually see some third party app stores or at least the ability to very easy or more easily access third party stores that are like websites, like, you know, um, HTML5. So I said they look like it's an actual app, even though you're downloading it in your browser. I wonder if they're going to make those kind of things more, you know, uh, you know, a little easier to do. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So, so y'all, this one, this was a big story last week. I don't know if either of you saw this one. But there is a Cox Media subsidiary that claims that it can uh, do what we all thought advertising companies were doing for the longest time. So how many times have y'all been sitting talking to somebody and you're talking about something that you want, a thing that you want to get, a new service that you might uh, sign up for, something like that? And before you even get done having that conversation, 
you see ads for it. It's like an ad comes up on the TV. You know, if, if you're watching one of these apps, if you're watching uh, YouTube TV or something like that, or you're watching just a YouTube video, you see the, the ad for the thing you were just talking about. It's like, I know I didn't just search for this. How do they know? And we've been saying for years, we've been saying for years that they're listening to us through our phones. They're listening to us through our smart devices and stuff like that. But when you really go back and look at it, no developer, you know, has been able to, you know, or, or I should say researcher has been able to find code to where this was happening. No one has been able to look at Android. We haven't found any code that's allowing this to happen. We haven't found any code on the iPhone that's allowing this to happen. So is it just a coincidence? Are these companies just really that good at targeting us that they know even when we're thinking about talking about them? And that's when they're going to show us the ads, which there's probably some truth to that. But this company, like I said, it's a subsidiary of Cox Media. They actually came out and said, nah, this is what we do it. Uh, and have a full marketing plan. I mean, I actually, I actually linked to the, um, to their marketing slick, uh, where it's like, this is a whole presentation about how we are listening to you through your phone. And based off of that, we're going to serve up ads based off that information. This is what they're saying that they, it's not clear if they've already done it or they just have the ability to do it now. So I want to get y'all's take on this because I know me, there is no way on earth that I would ever allow this to happen on my phone. I'm, you know, I would switch phones. Like I, I would switch to the, cause I, I don't think the iPhone will ever allow this to happen on that device. I would switch if this is how Google rolls and they just simply allow this to happen on their platform. What say you two? I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Um, and it says, you know, the company, website says, yes, it's totally legal for phones and devices to listen to you. That's because consumers usually give consent when accepting terms and conditions of software updates or app downloads. Um, you know, terms of service, man, none, none of us read them. None of us really pay attention when we click install or, or anything like that. I'm sure there's probably something in, in the terms of service of every piece of software or app or anything else that we've all put on our devices, you know, it doesn't surprise me. What was funny was that one of the (laughs) first bullet points in this presentation was about the legality of this. And they explained in detail how this is legal, but nowhere in that entire presentation, because I looked through the whole thing, they talk about the ethics of this. Is is this a good thing to do? Ethics. Nobody (laughs) cares about ethics. But I'm just, you know, I initially thought this was an article in the onion when I read it, because why would you admit that? Maybe, maybe I'm just, I'm missing this, but do regular people want to know or or, or would regular folks just have just, you know, regular devices in their house to have just regular, you know, you know, microphones connected to the computers, just have regular phones in their pocket. Are they cool with, these phones are listening to everything you say and looking and looking for keywords so that they can send you advertising. I just don't think people are cool with that. Where do you think artificial generative intelligence is going? Right. Where do you think you think this is separate? People want to have a assistant. People want to have a helper. People want to be able to live their lives and have our technology not necessarily think for us, but be like, yo, I saw an refrigerator. Imagine, you know, uh, think of like her. Uh, the, the I just read a story about the 10 year anniversary of the movie Her, which was about, mm-hmm. you know, this uh, assistant dude is 
falls in love with yeah. the, the, the OS software. You know, um, I think we all, not we, as a, a race, see a future. You get an iRobot. All these movies, you know, all these concepts, all these theories start off as robots, technology helping us. And what better way would be a technology helping you than you'd be talking to your homegirls about some gift you need to get for your husband or your boyfriend. And then your phone is listening or your computer's listening and said, oh, by the way, I saw this deal or whatever on, you know, uh, manlybeard.com or something like that. <laughs> I think this would be dope for the wow. gift. And you would, you know, if it works, if it works, you're, we're down. Only time we're not down is if it's feeding us stuff for things that we aren't necessarily looking for. Like if I'm just having a conversation like, boy, you know, um, the weather's crazy out here. And then <laughs> artificial intelligence tries to change the weather. It's like, wait a minute. No, I didn't, we didn't ask for that. But like basic stuff, you know, we want the stuff to work. And when it doesn't, that's when we get upset. Like when we're talking about privacy, like if I'm having an intimate, uh, intimate conversation and that somehow um, leaks out to whatever the case may be, then we're like, no, I don't want this. But like something that actually <laughs> helps and works. Aren't we right. pushing for that with this whole chat GPT and, yep. you know, we're pushing for something out there to help us to assist when we are, you know, living our everyday lives. And for the fact that these companies are now saying that, hey, we have created or we've come up with or we've developed technology to where if you're talking about something specifically, we're looking for it and we're going to serve it up. Yeah. People on Facebook and Instagram, social media claim that they hate it. Until they actually find something, it's like, oh, yeah, until it's useful. Yeah, until until it's useful. And and the thing is, it's like the the technology is so entrenched at this point. It's not like people are going to be like, oh, you're listening. I'm never using my smartphone again. Like that's never going to happen. You're you're not putting that genie back in the bottle. And I feel like this company was probably be like, we could. You know, kind of like when Donald Trump said, I could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and, and still get elected president. Like this company is like, we could tell people we're doing this and they'll still use their phones and still give us all their data. And it all it is going to do is make the advertisers flock to them because they are claiming to have this technology that that they that they are that they have the balls to put out there to say we're listening and we're going to get you the exact buyer you're looking for because we're listening to what they want um and they can't really lose you know what i'm saying because like i said no one's getting rid of their you say oh i'm gonna get rid of my phone okay but apple's doing that shit too don't 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 sleep don't think it, they, they're better at hiding it but it, it's happening across the board there there is no place you can go to escape technology except not using it and and, and no one's gonna do that and uh, I'm going to say not as our fault, but we understand that watching ads subsidizes the things that we love. Right. The cost of doing business. The co- right. Right. I'm on Facebook for free <coughs> because Facebook has worked with these marketers and advertisers to serve me ads so Facebook can get paid. So they don't have to dig in my pockets, you know, just to <coughs> add off of what Stephanie's saying. If if not only not maybe not as far as. Well, you can't use your phone no more. What if it was something as simple as, all right, well, if you don't want Facebook listening to you, 
we're going to charge you $10 a month for Facebook. People will be like, nah, let me get that. They can listen. We're already seeing that because. Exactly. This, they can listen. Go ahead on listen. We, we know that this is the case because no we, so. we know now that in Europe, or you know, I should say the EU, the you know the places you know that are you know the, the European Economic Area, they now have the ability to pay for Facebook, to pay for Instagram, and not have any of the data that is collected on them used for advertising and stuff like that. Now it's interesting; data still being collected, it's just not being used for advertising. They're, they're, you know that they're not doing those kind of things. But I think if the initial numbers are anything to, you know, to, to glean, um, you know, how things are going to go in the future, you don't have a whole bunch of folks that are signing up for it because it's like, so I can actually pay you money and my experience potentially gets a little worse and, and, and say, well, wait a minute. If you don't have any ads, how is, how are you potentially getting worse? I'm going to be honest with you. Ads work. That's why they, that, that's why, you know, that's why advertisers use them. They, they, they do work. So there are, there are certain times when you may want to see something that wasn't, you, you weren't necessarily thinking of it, but because you're matched so well to it that when Facebook or Google or whomever else just puts it in front of you, Oh yeah, that's something I need to, you know, something I need to look into. That type of stuff works. And if you're not having any of that, you never get notified when the new movie is coming out. You never get notified when the new phone is coming out. You never get notified when the new thing that you actually might be interested in is coming out because you shut all that down. Theoretically, you could say your experience is worse if you didn't mind the ads in, you know, in the first place. So there's an argument to be made. I wouldn't be making that. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't really want the ads because in my mind, I don't think the ads ever work on me. Not being really facetious right now. None of this stuff ever works. Um, sure. you know, on me, I'm special. Sure. But sure. uh I said I'm being facetious as I say this, but I'm just like, you know, but that, that's how a lot of people think. Sure. So, you know, they would go and turn up and no, they they do. They they work. But I, I I was shocked that they would admit this. And I guess it just needs a company to go first. Exactly. And then for an, like, a big advertiser gonna, to go first, because just like you said, you go stop using your iPhone. If you found out that Apple nope. is doing this nope. is like. Um, can, Apple, can you just give me a feature so I can turn it off? Which they probably would oblige and do. Like, you know, he, he, here's a button you could turn off, you know, so that no apps can, you, you know, no apps can listen to you, um, that you aren't actively in at the time. Yeah. I mean, but I think, um, like Stephanie mentioned, the ship has sailed on us, uh, right. paying for, you know, the experience that we want. I mean, just use your iPhone example. We know smartphones, app iPhones, you know, Google phones, all these are made in China. And we're pretty sure it's got slave labor. But that's why an iPhone only costs $9.99 instead of $21.99. Now, if you gave people the option to buy a $21.99 iPhone with no child labor or no or no, uh, or no raw materials. Or right. Raw materials case. sourced from the Democratic right. Republic of the Congo right. or right. Right. or something like that. Pay $8.99 in 12 easy installments. People are going to choose part B because I think we are, as a society, we've kind of sailed away from paying for um, not what well, more importantly, not paying for um a subsidized experience. And I think that's everywhere. I mean, you know, Windows computers, the reason why they're so cheap is, and people hate it when you start up the software and it takes forever to load and you've got all these different apps that just came with the device. Well, what people don't know is 
these companies have paid to be on this computer when you load it up. So Microsoft can keep the cost down to a target cost. Mm -hmm. You got to deal with the fact that when you boot it up, it's going to have 50 million thousand apps on there. That's taking up memory and hogging space that you could be using for family pictures. I think everything is subsidized in our society. So for the fact that now we've got, you know, advertisers saying, all right, well, we're going to make it even more subsidized because ads are going to be better. All we got to do is listen to you. People are going to be like, yeah, we're cool with that. Right. <laughs> it ain't going to take long. No one's going to care. No, this it, it bothered me when I saw it. I was like, what? For real? I mean, it didn't bother like, me. I was just like, I knew it. You know what I mean? Like, I, all my suspicions were true. Like, yeah, I didn't. I did have that. It's like, see, I knew I wasn't crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I I, I'm expecting just because Terrence said it, I'm expecting a Scotch Porter ad to pop up at any moment. <laughs> you know, it's like, Rob, I'm looking at you through your camera and your beard is looking awfully, uh, awfully grizzly right now. You could use some of our pro- I'm fully expecting that before I log off tonight, I'm going to see some beard care products show up, you know, you know, on my computer. I know I have not searched for any of them in you know, probably since this time last year. So we'll see. So, y'all, this last story that we're going to get into, it was it was a bit of a long one. Friend of the show, Lamar Wilson, who was who was on uh, probably a few months ago now, sent this to me right around four o'clock. And I was like, he's like, hey, this is probably a good story for for the tech. And he was absolutely right. Uh, and it is an article. Um, I believe it is a Bloomberg article. Uh, and I, I picked it up through uh, Yahoo Finance. But it is, uh, you know, about NVIDIA staffers who have basically warned of the threat of a all the way up to the head of NVIDIA, to the CEO of NVIDIA. And the story is talking about, I believe her name is Mashika Allgood and Alexander Tosado. And they're both former presidents of the Black Employees Group. And they end up leaving the company right after they had this these conversations. And they, they, they did this, I believe it was like a 22-page report that they did and presented to the CEO, Jensen Huang. And they were basically saying that we need to prioritize work on addressing potential bias in AI technology that could put underrepresented groups at risk. And we keep hearing stories of where there are folks who are saying, you you know, we need to do these kind of things. It doesn't really go the way that the people at the company who, you know, who are looking at these things would like them to go and they end up leaving. They're either asked to leave or they leave on their own. In this case, I believe both these folks left on their own. But it is it's just really interesting that you have these you know former presidents of the black employees group that are saying, hey, we're building all of this stuff. And we're going so fast with it. Maybe we should just, you know, slow down a little bit and look at how this could adversely affect at risk communities. And the CEO, basically, this is what they said. You know, I'm I'm, going to read quotes here. All good said the meeting with Huang was the single most devastating 45 minutes of her professional life. Tosado felt that Huang might have the luxury of waiting, but as a member of one of the underserved communities himself at NVIDIA, nothing else was more important to him than tackling the issues raised immediately. You start looking at some of the statistics and you just some of the numbers. It's about 1% at the time. I'm not sure what the numbers are today, but about 1% of the employees at NVIDIA when these concerns were being brought up were, you know, were black. They are at the bottom of the Fortune 100 companies. Um, NVIDIA is a big company. It's a trillion dollar company. It's the only chip maker that's a trillion dollar company. And at the time, um, 1% of their employees are black. And what the CEO is saying is that, oh, well, we have diversity of thought. So we're good. <laughs> diversity of thought. How do you say that with a straight face? 
because nobody's going to put him in trouble for not saying saying anything else because these companies are they're watching each other and they're seeing who's doing what and like you said in the other store <coughs> they're waiting is while they're all everybody's kind of waiting around to see if this DEI stuff or not DEI um, AI biased is going to affect their bottom line <laughs> and if it don't affect their bottom line we're cool you know um, they're That's so new. We don't have a foolproof gotcha moment to where bias and AI directly led to something negative happening. Even though we've got all these stories that come out and statistics and everything, there's no direct, you know, AI made this robot kill this person because they're gay or because they're a woman or because they're. Uh, underrepresented or whatever case may be so it's like yeah we ain't got to worry about it and then if it happens then you got to take them to court and then you got to sue them and then they got to lose and then put out the apology that says oh we're working better you know until we get that company's going to be like yeah we'll think about it well it's it's interesting to me to to kind of finish that thought it's interesting how these companies don't think that the um poor choice of of data sets and um you know not accounting for people of color and and women and you know all these things that they're not doing when they put these models together in order to be as inclusive as possible and take you know all different types of people into account um to work properly all these things that they're not doing. It's interesting that they think that this won't eventually come back to bite them in the ass as well, um, because it will. And, you know, the idea that you just want to kind of open up the gate and let this AI train run amok, basically, um, is a huge problem that I think People just aren't taking seriously enough. Uh, I, I was, I, I started to throw it in, in with this because it kind of sort of ties into this. Um, the whole Sam Altman thing. It came out that the reason they kicked him out was because the day before somebody wrote a memo, you know, because he, they actually believe they have figured out AGI mm-hmm. at OpenAI. Um, artificial general intelligence where the computer can think for itself without our help. And he was ready to get that bag and, you know, do whatever he needed to do to keep that going. And they were like, hold on. This was, this was meant for you to pump your brakes and you're not pumping your brakes. And, you know, clearly he was charismatic enough to have the rest of those uh, employees drinking his Kool-Aid. So they brought him back when they all decided to leave on mass. But, Again, it, it, the idea that you think that this shit ain't going to come back to bite you in the ass as well, when people have been telling you this whole time that there are problems in the way that these things are being trained, there are holes in, in all of the considerations you're making, there are gaps in, in, Everything that needs to happen to make sure that these things stay safe. We've been screaming it from the rafters since the very beginning. And all, I don't want to say it's going to be chickens coming home to roost like Brother Malcolm, but no one will be able to be surprised when 
we are sitting here staring a true Skynet in the face. And that's all I'm going to say about it. I think that there are, are, are two camps. Uh, the first one is the easiest to talk about. There are some organizations, they simply don't care. I don't care that this might, you know, uh, be discriminatory. I, it, does, it doesn't bother me. Do, are we making money with people who is not discriminated against or upset? We are. Okay, cool. That's what we're going to go do. Then I think there's more nuance for other companies. I think I don't, I don't know, uh, this CEO. I don't really know the inner workings of Nvidia, but my gut would tell me they're a trillion dollar company. My gut would tell me is that they are about, we are going to make all the money we can make as quickly as we can possibly make it. And we will worry about ramifications of things we didn't do when we have to cross that bridge. It's almost like a time value of money. Is it better to go super fast and make the money now or to slow down, let somebody else who's going to go out there and not care about this stuff, make the money now. And then we're in a better position in two years, three years, four years, five years, because we slowed down and this is up. I don't think that they, that they think like that. I think, you know, that they're just like, how can we make as much money as we can right now? And there are other things when this study were not study was done, but when this all went down back in 2020 into 2021, they NVIDIA only has about 1% of its workforce that is African-American and that's problematic. And, you know, I, I still think that people think that when you hear the word racism or systemic racism, that you think that is like, well, the company's not racist. They ain't, they don't have people in there calling folks the N word. You know, if that's not happening, it's not a racist company. It's like, or that you are actively doing things that are to the antithesis of black and brown people. That doesn't necessarily en- encompass all racism. You know, just the fact that you overlook someone. Um, we, our very first show, episode zero, just a soap dispenser that doesn't work on darker tone people. Wasn't like, well, we, we're going to design this to, to, you know, to just piss off black folks all the time. That's not what, you know, the developers did. They just didn't anticipate that black folks was going to do it because they weren't coming from that, you know, you know, from that perspective. I looked at a video the other day and it was, it was from a, a, a nurse and it was a nurse who was, she was changing her shift. So she was going in and getting notes from the nurse who she was about to relieve. And a woman, I believe she was pregnant and about to have a baby, but the nurse that was getting off said, but I called for a psych consult because she has been hitting her head since she's come in here. I've seen that. Yeah. (laughs) And the black nurse said, what do you mean? She's been hitting her head. She's like, what's she doing? And she actually showed her. She's doing like this. And the nurse said, yeah, she's been doing that like all day. And it's like, yeah, she's probably got a weave or a wig on. And that's how she's scratching her head. Let's go ahead and cancel that console. And the moral to that story is that perspectives matter. You can't just say we've got diversity of thought, but you have no black folks. Because if you don't wear protective styles. Uh, where you have a wig, you have a weave, you have a, so you, you, you have, you know, you've got braids up under there, uh, and then you, you're wearing something on top of it. If you aren't close to that, if you don't have, you know, in my case, you know, uh, you know, friends and, and family that wear those styles that I see every day and I know what that is, or if you aren't someone who actually wears those styles yourself and you know what that is, then how would you know? You, you could be a nurse that you literally are calling a psych eval for someone who is scratching their head and you thought that well, they were having some type of mental problem. In this case in particular as well, black tech opinions matter because I feel like, you know, as, as I got further down in the article, you know, the company sort of 
threw some black folk at the problem, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, and they hired um, uh, they hired a woman named um, Nikki Pope to lead their in-house trustworthy AI project. She co-authored a book on wrongful convictions and incarcerations. I don't know what makes her the person to bring somebody in um, here, but she was a, she said, Pope who's black says she doesn't accept the, the assertion that minorities have to be involved directly to be able to produce unbiased models. And NVIDIA examines data sets that software is trained on, she said, and make sure that they're inclusive enough. Now, how much money did y'all throw at this sister to get her to say this? And the other person, uh, Liz Archibald, Pope and colleague Liz Archibald, who is director of corporate communications at NVIDIA and also Black, said that they once had a quote-unquote tough meeting with Hong over AI transparency and safety, but they felt like his questions brought more rigor to their work. I think his end goal was to pressure test our arguments and probe the logic to help figure out he could, how he could make it even better for the company as a whole. And don't get me wrong, no disrespect to people that fight for social justice or folks that are in corporate communications. Those are not the people that should be making these decisions, period. They just shouldn't be. They maybe could be involved. They could be on the team. But you ain't got the the two people, the engineers and the software developers that are doing the work said there was a problem and you need to believe those people and not bring in some random folks from outside the company who don't have any knowledge of what's happening in this particular case. Plus, (coughs) excuse me. The person in corporate communication whose job it is to make all this shit sound good to say that, oh, it's okay. He's fine. It, it, it's all good. <coughs> Sorry, y'all. Excuse me. No, no you know, here, here's the thing African Americans, the, the, our percentage of the population right now is about 14%. And it's like, no, 14% is not like a lot, it's not like 60%. But 14% when you're talking about 300 and how, how many, how many 340 million, you know, people in, in the country, 40% does a lot of folks. So, so what does it tell you? There's a whole lot of black folks in the United States. We are not a monolith. There's an awful lot of different thoughts. You can find a black person that will agree with pretty much whatever theory you have that you could come up with. You're going to find somebody who will agree with it. Uh, you, you can find somebody who's not going to agree with it. In the same way that it would be for Latino folks. In the same way that it would be for Caucasian folks. In the same way that it would be for indigenous folks. You're going to find folks who are going to agree and disagree with you. So, But to your point, it really did sound like this is not a developer. This is not somebody that's actually doing the work and is like, yeah, are we designing the T2000? You know, I mean, you know, I go back to the Terminator and stuff like that, but you know, but this is a corporate communications person who is saying, no, we're good. We had the conversation with the CEO. That's what they are. If you're, if you're kind of coming from that PR standpoint, then that, that's actually what you would expect the job to be. And like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to disparage Ms. Pope. I don't know her. I haven't read anything from her or anything like that, but I would expect, no AI expert. but I would expect that you can find folks who are going to agree with you just as easily. You can find folks who are going to disagree with you. So, um, you know, you NVIDIA, you may need to do more work. There's, there, there are, there are many of them and they seem to keep leaving 
organizations where they are giving their the ones who actually have the expertise, the ones who can actually write the code, look at the code, see what the code is doing. Those folks, many of them black and brown women seem to be leaving the corporate world to start these organizations because they've been yelling at the top of their lungs inside of these big companies like NVIDIA's, like Google, uh, like Oracle and stuff like that. And the stuff is just not happening for them. So they feel like they need to, you know, go outside of it. But I, you know, when, when I looked at this story, it was just like, it's, it's, it's the same thing all over again. You have, you know, the, these things can adversely affect us. What do we always say? It's like, you know, tech is tech, but it hits communities of color differently. And this is one of those situations where you have your people saying, hey, this is going to hit me different than it's going to hit you. you. Like we we had a story that uh, this is probably in the last six months. We were just talking about how. AI was having a problem. It's not even six months ago. It's probably in the last three months where some of these new engines that are drawing pictures, these AI engines drawing like mid journey and stuff like that. They were having very difficult time drawing black doctors helping white children. I've been playing with Facebook's imagine with meta AI recently, and it's actually pretty good. But do you know what it has a problem with? drawing a black doctor you can get a black doc you know i i tried probably five iterations today just to see you know what this is doing i can get a black doctor with children some of them being white but specifically black doctor white children this thing would not generate it so then of course i go white doctor black children you can get dozens and dozens you know it's probably hundreds and hundreds but you know but i i i was able to see that happen but i can't see why why can't i find a black doctor that deals with with white children what why is that so hard well probably because you're not training your data with black doctors you know dealing with white children so it doesn't have a you know a, you know a, a reference point to go off of these things matter and you know it's just my opinion that we we should do more to make these things more inclusive because to your point stephanie if you don't, at some point, this is going to start costing these companies money. I just think that they don't care right now. As long as we're making it right now, we'll worry about not making it when we get to that, you know, when we have to cross that bridge. So, y'all, um, this is probably a good point to go ahead and wrap things up for this episode of the Tech Shine. I do want to put the public service announcement out there that if you would like to support the Tech Giant, you can do so by becoming a patron of ours. We have uh, multiple tiers over on Patreon.com. If you head over to Patreon.com forward slash the Tech Giant, we've got multiple tiers, any one of which gets you access to our live show and after party. And anything that you do over there helps us bring the tech to you the way that we bring it to you. And we have not had, uh, you know, any new um, you know, paid subscribers, uh, over our, on our Patreon. And it's, it's been, it's probably been about six weeks or so. Um, you know, since we, I think we've maybe had one or two in the last six weeks. So it's, you know, I know we're in the holiday season. We were kind of an, you know, an adult. So maybe when we get into the new year, we'll do some kind of drive or something like that. But if you are listening to this and you would like to support the tech, John, head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech, John, the tech J A W N. So that being said, tech life staff. For this last show of the year, tell the folks how they can get at you. Follow me all around the web at Tech Life Steph and check out stephaniehumphrey.com. And you can find me all over the internet at Brother Tech. That's E R O T H A T C H. And I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And we are also at The Tech John on all the things. So come holla at us however you holla. Until we meet again in the new year, I believe our next live show will be, I think it'll be the 8th actually because we're, we're off for two weeks we'll check you guys next year so have a happy happy new year and then before that merry christmas 
Happy holidays. Peace. 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 Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.